Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. I am your host, Ray Bohax, that guy from Cat Swamp Road in Warren County, New Jersey, a.k.a. the Hot Rod Farmer. And I want to thank you so much for joining me today on Rural Radio, Sirius XM Channel 147. And if you're listening on the radio on Sirius, then it is either Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, or maybe you're listening to the re-air Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern. The same episode plays again. Or maybe the third option is that you're listening to the episode as a podcast at farmmachinerydigest.com or all major podcast hosting sites one week after it airs over the satellite. So hopefully everything is going well for you, and I'm sure a lot of you are getting into harvest or 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 well 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 into harvest right it's i gotta form a sentence better than that but that's what you get when, the, when you deal with a guy from new jersey a farmer from new jersey and uh let me see what else i wanted to touch base with you on the weather turned dramatically colder here i mean it's not terrible we didn't have frost or anything but last week was 87 degrees and then this week the high yesterday was 46 and it's just bumping a little bit around 50 so not not bad for getting near the end of October and boy is this month flying by unbelievable and in a couple of weeks they're gonna turn the clocks back I hate when they do that they just wish that they would leave it alone I don't even know what the real time is anymore right they say daylight savings time or something I don't know so it's uh it's a a crazy world they've been doing it for years and they give you some sort of excuse but it'll be a little bit lighter in the morning and it'll be darker soon in the evening, right? And then after December, what, 21st, that starts to turn around again. So who knows? Whatever it is, it is, right? You just follow the animals. When it gets dark, they go to bed. When it gets light, they wake up. That's what my chickens do, and that's what my cats do. And so on this week's show, right, what I'm going to be doing is because, hey, in a couple, you know, not this weekend, next weekend is going to be Halloween, right? And uh, we don't prescribe the Halloween here at the Bohax Farm. And we've never, ever, our claim to fame is that we've never, ever, ever had a trick-or-treater, which is fantastic because when you're out in the country, it's very hard to get a trick-or-treaters. And we've never had, my family has owned this farm since 1954, long before I was born. I'm not that old, not yet, but uh, we've never had a trick-or-treater and uh so that is good but you know halloween is full of a lot of lore and uh that's we're going to discuss today not halloween lore but we're going to discuss whether some things that are what that people accept as uh common knowledge or uh, conventional wisdom whether they are fact or whether they are fiction whether they are myth or whether they are truth so after we come back from the break what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I have four different areas of common confusion. And then I'm going to pose that question to you. Is this fact or is it fiction? But then what I'm going to do is after I give you a chance to to respond to it in your mind, because obviously I can't hear you, right? It's not like we're in a classroom setting and you could say, how many guys, how many people think this is fact? How many people think it's fiction? Raise your hand. 
Right, so I can't do that over the radio, not over Sirius XM, but I'll give you a chance, a, a couple of seconds to think about it, because it's going to be knee-jerk, right? Because it's like a raw shock test. It has to be knee-jerk. You have to say, is that fact or fiction? But then what I will do, I will, I will explain why each one is fact or fiction. I'm not going to give you any heads up so here so i'm not gonna try i'm not gonna you know jade you so you so you get the end so you so you make the right choices but the right choices in life of you to understand not that you're guessing at a radio show quiz and it's not really a quiz it's is this fact or is it going to be fiction so hopefully you will enjoy that and you will glean something from it right because that's what it's all about gleaning and learning because once you learn then the world seems to make a little bit more sense or at least mechanical stuff makes sense the world today doesn't seem to make sense but mechanical stuff does make sense so i'm going to ask you to sit pat during this short commercial break and put your thinking cap on because when we come back i'm going to be asking you some questions whether they are fact or fiction and never forget agriculture runs on machinery on facts but profits on reliability. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. Get your weekly dose of the great outdoors. Hunting and fishing and the shooting sports. Western sports. An incredible ride you will have to see to believe. And agriculture. Real Ag Radio, your home for insight and analysis of the issues that are impacting your farm business. I'm Rob Sharkey of Shark Farmer Radio. There's so much to learn from the great people of agriculture. Rural Radio is your home for the ag industry and Western sports. Sirius XM 147 and on the SXM app. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeff Metters. I hope you enjoyed 100 rodeos in 100 days. We can kind of check the numbers. The truth was we actually covered more than 140 rodeos and more than 400 rodeo performances. And that averaged out to be more than 1,000 hours of live rodeo coverage. In one day, we actually covered events from 20 different rodeos. I would say that's over-delivering. Of course, we had a chance to watch all the world championship races for 2023 take shape. Thanks for riding along for 100 rodeos in 100 days. Crew, let's ranch it up. Join me, Jeff Hicker Earhart. Tigger. Every week, right here on the Ranch It Up radio show, we talk the cow stuff. Some rodeo action. Cowboys. Markets. The latest cow country news, sale barn reports, and everything in between. The Ranch It Up radio show every Saturday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here, Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XL. Tune in to Rural Evening News on Rural Radio when we walk you through the headlines of the day surrounding agriculture, policy, and markets from around the world. It's an unbiased take on what's happening so you can focus on growing the best crop. Rural Evening News, weeknight, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, your agribusiness and Western lifestyle channel. Alrighty, my friends, welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. This is the fact or fiction, myth or lore or truth episode of the show. And I've, you know I'm Ray Bohax, the hot rod farmer. And I'm coming to you from Cat Swamp Road, which has lore to it. But that's not what we're going to be talking about today. So just to recap, in case you're jumping in late, uh, what I'm going to do is I have four different subjects here. And they are commonly misunderstood and i'm going to quiz you on it and then i'm going to ask you whether that is a myth or a fact 
and then I will explain why it is or it isn't. All righty, so without any further ado, let me see if I could read my own writing. My t- my handwriting has got my handwriting was never good. When I was like in third grade, the kindergarten teacher, not third grade teacher, not kindergarten, Miss Adnesia, I'll never forget her. And uh, she told me, she used to call me Raymond. She says, Raymond, your handwriting is atrocious. And I never, I'm in third grade. I never heard the word atrocious before. I didn't know. So I figured it's a big word. It must be good. So I said, well, thank you very much, Miss Adnesio. And then she got so ticked off, she called my mother. Back then, you know, if you, if you did something in the classroom, your parents knew and they took care of it at home. Not like today. But anyway, so my atrocious handwriting got more atrocious. So hopefully I could read my, my cheat notes here. Okay, the first thing, and I want you to answer in your mind, is this a myth or is a, it is a fact, all right? Antifreeze and synthetic oil will find the leak where water and mineral oil won't, respectively. So give it about 10 seconds thought. So is does antifreeze, will antifreeze leak easier right find the leak than than pure water would and will synthetic oil find the leak where mineral oil would not and that is a fact not a myth but i will explain to you why let's talk about antifreeze first when you're dealing with a liquid there's something called surface tension and it's read in dynes per centimeter in a lay person's uh definition would be how slippery it is Right, there's a whole test of the way they do where they determine the dynes per centimeter, just like anything else in life, that there's a test procedure. But antifreeze, due to its glycols in it, is slipperier. So it's slipperier, and because it is slipperier, it will find a leak where the surface tension of water is much higher, that the water will not go through and leak out, whereas antifreeze will. So it basically boils down to the surface tension of the antifreeze of the glycols that make it slippery so that's why you could have a hose that's not good that doesn't fit well let's say on a radiator or a heater core or a water pump or what have you and if you had were running pure water as they did years ago in engines it would not leak because it would be surface tension it would have more drag to the liquid and then you put antifreeze in it and you would find all leaks so if grandpa told you that back years ago he was correct but now you know why it's because of the surface tension of the liquid so now <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> let's talk <clears throat> excuse me i got bad surface tension in my throat let's talk about synthetic engine oils and a lot of people say they had an engine for years and they converted it over to synthetic oil which is simply just drain and fill right and then they start to get leaks at the rear main maybe the crankshaft seal maybe the oil pan, pan or what have you and then is that also a fact a myth or a fact well it is a fact also so it comes down to two things one is common with as it is with antifreeze is that the surface tension the slipperiness of synthetic oil is less is it's more slippery right so it's less surface tension than mineral oil so then again it's going to work its way through a crevice or through a a weak excuse me weak gasket or a poor sealing gasket or a dried out gasket where mineral oil because it doesn't want to flow as easily will not but also if you were to look at mineral oil i'm going to say under in this under a microscope and synthetic oil under a microscope that the mineral oil 
is natural and its molecular structure is not uniform. So it has bigger molecules, smaller molecules, medium-sized molecules, where synthetic oil has a very uniform molecular structure. And contrary to what a lot of people do not recognize is that synthetic oil starts out as mineral oil and it goes through a process to synthesize it. And that this process is what makes the molecular structure all, I'm going to, much more uniform or almost all uniform. So whereas you have mineral oils, you have a bigger molecule and that basically for, for lay person's terms, you know, stops the leak from coming out, right? Like having corrosion on something. And whereas you have the molecular structure is much more uniform on the synthetic oil. So basically to recap that those both are facts, they are not myths. Antifreeze has a lower surface tension, so it will leak where water will not, because the water has more drag on it, if you want to think of surface tension that way. And in synthetic oil will leak where mineral oil may not, simply because its molecular structure is much more uniform and smaller than on than mineral oil, and it also has lower surface tension. All right, so hopefully some of you got that correct. All right, next next question. Now, is this myth or is this fact? Warming up a gasoline or diesel engine is will. <clears throat> let me leave my writing. Warming up a gasoline or diesel engine will decrease wear and is the best thing for it. So is that a myth or a fact? And so many people warm up an engine. Now, I know I'm going to have some guys out west, out in Montana, the Dakotas, out in western Canada, and say, you got to warm up the engine in the winter. All right, well, we're going to discuss that also. Well, first of all, what you need to understand is that there is a about a thousand percent more wear in an engine when it is cold than when it is at operating temperature. I don't want to say warm, operating temperature. <clears throat> the rings wear more, there's more internal friction. And over the years, that has decreased a little bit, that number maybe down to 850 or 900, because the engine oils are better. So they flow better in the cold weather than they did 25, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But still, ultimately, there is a lot more wear in an engine when it is cold than it is warm at operating temperatures, the proper way. I'll correct myself. And the other thing that comes into play is that you have you have more complete vaporization of the fuel and there is not a richer mixture. On some older diesel engines, they actually richen the mixture when it was cold. Some modern, more modern ones do not put in gasoline engines because of the nature of fuels, gasoline's combustibility is that they have to richen the mixture to when it is cold because the rate of vaporization is very poor. So when you put this all together, you have this excessive wear. When you are idling an engine to warm up to, to operating temperature or minimal operating, whatever number you want to say, is that you are accentuating the amount of time that the engine is experiencing excessive wear. And that's a fact of life, whether you want to embrace it or not. When an engine is idling, I don't care whether it's a 600 horsepower combine engine or a 100 horsepower engine in, the, in an economy car, when it is idling, it is not building much heat. So for it to get to operating temperature, <clears throat> normal operating temperature, with no load on it, 
it's going to take much longer than if you if you put a load on it a light load and let it warm up quicker that way so basically in essence if you were to start an engine and the oil got oil pressure and either the light went off or the gauge says you have oil pressure and you put some sort of load on now now there's all different types of load on on engines on the farm all right so you could have a combine you could have a tractor you could have a spray you could have a semi you could have a car whatever so you put light load on it not full load is that the engine will be working a little bit harder and it will accelerate it will decrease the amount of time it takes to warm up now you have to realize that as an engine is warming up the amount of wear in it does not drop down in a linear fashion so it's going to it's going to drop down so maybe at at 40 degrees temperature it has x amount of wear at 100 degrees it's not or 80 degrees it's not 50 percent of that number so it's going to warm up in a non-linear fashion as far as the wear is concerned but the take-home message here to make it very very simple to understand is that i like to teach this a turtle going across the road or a rabbit going across the road a rabbit going across the road has less likelihood of getting hit by a vehicle because his amount of exposure time is much less versus a turtle who is very slow going across the road has a greater chance of getting run over. So when it comes to engines in the winter or in the summer, but specifically in the winter, is that I don't care that the heater is not warm for you when you get in because I care about the engine and the machinery. I do not care. Well, I do care, but I don't care if you're a little bit cold. All right, so the thing is that you want to minimize the amount of time the engine has excessive wear. And the way you minimize the amount of time it has excessive wear is by by accelerating the warm-up period. So it gets so after two minutes of running, it has more heat in it than than it would be if it was idling, if 30 seconds, whatever. So you want to minimize, you want it to be a rabbit, not going down the road 90 miles an hour into the field full throttle, but you want to put some load on it so it could start to warm up. And that will make the engine much happier. It will decrease the wear, decrease deposits, decrease the amount of um, condensation that gets in the oil. So the thing is that now, you want that to happen now if you're someplace where it's 40 50 below zero f in the winter time well the thing that i would say to you is let it idle until it stops until the engine and the transmission stops making funny noises so if that's 30 40 seconds a minute or two that is fine those are accentuating circumstances very 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 extreme circumstances but then you would still go and you would want to drive it and put a light load on it the operative word is light load so that you warm it up quickly and you minimize the amount of wear so sit pat during the break and then we are going to come back and finish this up This is Capri Cafaro, host of Eat Your Heartland Out. Every week we explore the rich yet often overlooked culinary depth of the American Midwest. Together we'll learn about the foodways of our region through compelling interviews with a variety of guests, each of whom highlight a unique thread in the Midwestern culinary tapestry. Tune in for Eat Your Heartland Out, Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM 147. Rural Radio is the first and only national radio channel serving rural Americans on Sirius XM. 
Nowhere else on radio can you catch Western sports every single day, making Rural Radio the undisputed leader for Western sports coverage. Between our coverage and downloading the Cowboy Channel Plus app, you'll have access to any major Western sports news and events 24-7. Rural Radio Channel 147, the agribusiness and Western lifestyle channel. Las Vegas NFR fans, we're giving you a chance to win tickets this December to Ryan Bingham, Charlie Crockett, Randy Hauser, and Tracy Lawrence, who will be appearing live in concert in Las Vegas at the Theater at Virgin Hotels. The Cowboy Channel is giving away five lucky winners a pair of tickets along with complimentary self-parking. Just go to thecowboychannel.com slash Vegas tickets 2023 and enter to win. This is Justin Mills, rancher and host of the Working Ranch Radio Show, inviting you to join us on Saturdays at noon Eastern on Rural Radio Channel 147. We'll go in-depth on topics that are relevant to the sustainability of our beef industry. So join us on Saturdays at noon Eastern for the Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio Channel 147, Sirius XM. This is Jimmy Houston, America's favorite fisherman. Thanks for listening to Rural Radio Channel 147 on Sirius XM. Everybody, welcome back to Farm Machinery Digest Radio. We're going to continue with myth or fact. All right, when driving on the highway, you will get better fuel mileage with cruise control. Is or driving it manually with your foot? Is this a myth or fact? Well, this one sits in the middle. All right, and let me explain to you why. The uh, you will get much better mileage driving a car manually, not using cruise control, if you are not a digital driver where you're in and out of the throttle all the time. All right? And if you are a digital driver, then the cruise control will reap benefits to you. So to make simple sense of this, if you are a nice, smooth, good driver, you will get better mileage driving it with your gas pedal on the foot than you would with cruise control. If you're a very jerky driver, then the cruise control will dampen some of that, some of that out. Now, let me explain to you why. And this held true years ago with carbureted cars, carbureted engines, which they don't have anymore. And this holds true for diesel engines and for gasoline, right, the fuel injected, is that whenever you modulate the throttle, when it is a transition in the throttle, open or closed, is that what is evoked is called an asynchronous pulse. And what an asynchronous fuel pulse is, is a pulse that does, on a gasoline engine that does not correspond with an ignition pulse. A synchronous pulse means there's a fuel pulse and there's an ignition pulse. We don't care what cylinder it's on, fuel pulse, ignition pulse, synchronized, all right? Asynchronous means that the amount of fuel pulses and ignition pulses are not tied together. Now, there are two types of asynchronous pulses. There's acceleration enrichment, and then there's deacceleration enleanment. All right, they called decel enleanment. This is the slang for an engine calibration. Decel fueling, they call it. Now, if you're going down the road and you are modulating the throttle in and out, in and out, to maintain a speed, which cruise control does. Cruise control is things in one dimension. We're going to minimize. We're going to keep that speed. If we got to put the throttle to the floor, it puts it to the floor. If it's got a downshift, the tra- automatic transmission downshifts the automatic transmission. It does not care. It is like in the military. Do this, and it's going to maintain that speed. So what's happening is, as you're going down the road, 
and the cruise control is actually modulating the throttle in and out. And every time it modulates the throttle open more, it's going to evoke what is called an asynchronous pulse acceleration enrichment. So the fuel injector, be it gasoline or diesel, all right, is going to give an extra pulse of fuel. And then what that's going to do is richen the air-fuel ratio, and then it's going to use more fuel. And then once it comes back out of that and releases the throttle slightly, there is it's going to potentially shut the fuel off. So you'll say, well, hot rod, then it kind of cancels. It doesn't because the deceleration fuel the decel fueling where it shuts the injector off needs to have a longer time with the throttle being closed than with being than being modulated open so to make sense of this is that the decel fueling is much more dampened than the acceleration fueling because they don't want the engine to to hesitate or to stall or to buck or what have you so the acceleration fueling is much more aggressive so if the cruise control steps on the throttle a little bit more you have an asynchronous pulse gasoline or diesel gives it more fuel and then it releases the throttle slightly it usually doesn't go into deceleration fuel shut off until you release the throttle and go into a complete coast down like coming down a long hill or getting off an exit ramp so it's really the acceleration enrichment that is going to give you that poorer fuel economy because cruise control does not care now if you're a good driver and you could keep a constant a relatively constant throttle opening or just determine that using the industry is crowd step on the throttle very gently so you're starting to climb a hill excuse me the ecu looks at the rate of change of throttle so if you have to climb a hill and you're ste- and you're just crowding the throttle stepping on it a little bit a little bit harder to, to maintain or you don't mind scr- losing a mile or two an hour going up the hill until you bring that back up then what's going to happen is that that rate of change that algorithm right the whole world today is algorithms you have a grain dryer you have anything it's algorithm or you have auto steer algorithm all right you uh algorithm is going to look and say that throttle is being opened so gently so slowly the rate of change in the transition does not demand an asynchronous pulse and will not give you a fuel pulse so to and it was the same thing years ago with a carburetor every time you modulated the throttle open you would get a little bit of accelerator pump stroke all right and then you would also evoke a change in engine vacuum and then the enrichment circuit whether it was meteor rods or power valve would give more fuel so in a nutshell to recap so you don't get confused is that you will not have an issue you will get you'll get better fuel economy a good driver without cruise control forget about it you ready so the next question is here do you need to measure temperature of a tire before you check the air pressure is that a myth or a fact and it most certainly is a fact the fact is because every for every 10 degrees fahrenheit the temperature changes the air pressure in a tire will change by one psi as the air gets hotter the temperature will go up and as the air gets cooler the temperature will go down so if you're putting air in a tire and it's one temperature like in a farm shop in the winter where it's 60 degrees and then you go outside and it's 20 degrees once that tire cools down it's going to lose pressure in theory because of the expansion in temperature.